told my Sunday school class this morning, um, church is not always a place that's meant to be comfortable for each and every one of us, no matter how mature we are in the Lord. There's always room for change in each one of our lives, Lord, to be more like Him. I appreciate that song. Brother Steve, you want to come on up? Brother Steve and I have known each other, I think now, for decades. Yeah, 28 years or so, and he's been a, uh, an inspiration in my life, playing with him at camp and, and uh, with our boys growing up together a little bit. And, uh, and uh, so I just uh, ask you, you give him your undivided attention this morning. Uh, he definitely uh, has the hand of the Spirit on his life, and as he opens the word, I'm sure he has something good for each and every one of us. Thank you, Brother Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. And appreciate you, Miss Robin's faithful service to the Lord. Appreciate Brother and Sister Johnson and the, and the privilege it is to preach today. And, the, and Connie, I are humbled at the fact of your, your offering, your love gift to us every month. So thank you for that. Turn your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter number 8, if you would. 1 Samuel chapter number 8. And certainly enjoyed a good time this morning in the Sunday school class. And looking forward to preaching the word at this time and thankful for the grace of God. And appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord and uh, your faithfulness through this great uh, difficulty we've been having in our country. And pray for Connie that her health will improve. Uh, she's up and down, as you know. I tell people her, you know, I say, if I say Connie's health is flaky, then people say I'm flaky. And then I say amen. So what can you do, Amen. <laughs> You hang around Brother Nutt all your life, and guess what happens? <laughs> but just thankful to be able to have brothers and sisters that pray for you, and, uh, and I know that uh, it's needed, and it's very important to be faithful in the house of God as much as possible. And as I travel around and uh, preach and here and there and thankful for the grace of God, it's a joy to be with God's people. But we need to be faithful in this day, don't we? We need to get back to the basics of the Word of God, let the Word of God speak to us. Remember, when we, when we read the Bible, God's Bible reads us. And the Bible is a mirror, and when we let the Word of God speak to our heart, He shows us if we're sincere and really willing to let God do something, He will do it. Now, the question is, I asked this morning in the Sunday school class, are you going to believe the preaching Word today? Are you going to believe the Bible today? Amen, that's great. I'm glad three of you are going to do that. <laughs> but I know some of y'all are like, is this a trap or is this a trick question? Those preachers will just pull us in. No, sincerely, we must believe, and the brother prayed that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And that is something I've been challenged with, and, and I know your pastor challenges you with every time he preaches. First Samuel chapter number 8. Let's stand for the reading of the word of God. 1 Samuel chapter number 8, and uh, there's a lot of preaching in this chapter. I'm going to try to uh, hit the high points, and then we'll come back to them. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramoth and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king 
uh, to judge us like all the nations. Notice that phrase. Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. For the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give, me, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Turn to verse 19 and 20. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. I want to preach a little bit this morning on the cost of being like the nations. The cost of being like the nations. There is a price to pay for being like the world. When believers are wanting to be like the world, they're on a pathway to destruction. We're walking a, a path. I've walked that path before and found out it's a terrible path. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, saved, born again in the family of God, I've been designed now to follow Jesus, not the world. I'm supposed to be a light unto the world. I'm not supposed to run after the world. I'm not supposed to want and desire the things of the world. But I'm supposed to live for Christ in the world and be a light for His glory. Israel forgot what they were. They forgot who they were. They forgot their responsibility. Now let's get back uh, as we see this in sample of illustration in the Old Testament that Paul speaks of when we look back in the Old Testament to find the ensamples, that very impression of what we are to be like and serve, that we'll see the things, not only what we're to be like, but what we're not to be like. The cost of being like the nations. Lord, help us today. Thank you for your word. Deal with our hearts. Lord, revive our hearts today and save the lost that they'll come to know you today. And that you'll speak mightily through me today by your grace and by your help. We praise you and thank you for your love and your name. Amen. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. The cost of being like the nations. Now, this attitude Israel had to reject God's kingly presence of leadership was an ongoing attitude uh, that was now coming to a climax. The former generation who had judges appointed by God to rule them still lived with the model that they did that which was right in their own eyes. Even while they're under the judges that God had ordered instructions to them through, they still did not want to obey God in his theocracy, meaning God being the leader of the government. They wanted them a king. You see, the problem with this is that our natural eyes are connected to our wicked hearts, and we are biased toward what we think is right relative to our feelings, not the facts of the Word of God. So we have to let the Word of God speak to us because uh, we uh, emotionally, uh, mentally, and internally, many times, are walking in the flesh if we're not careful. And Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so we as believers have to make a choice. We have to get in the battlefield. We have to get off the sidelines. We have to quit yielding to the uh, world, but yield to the Holy Spirit of God so that we can shine the gospel light to the world so that we can live among the nations and not try to be like the nations. See, Israel forgot about their intimate covenant relationship with God that they had promised to keep with Him. God chose Israel out of the nations to be His peculiar special people. 
If you remember, uh, Paul reminds us that, uh, uh, that we are a peculiar people. That means we are set apart as sanctified uh, and uh, holy for God. And so if you really want another definition of holiness is to uh, look at the world and go, don't do that. Do not be like that. Why is it that we want to be like the world when we ought to want the world to be like us? And we ought to want the world to follow God and serve the Lord. Is it because we don't want to take on the responsibility? Is it because we're too fleshly minded? Is it because we're so selfish we want our way instead of God's way? I'm glad Jesus came with no reputation, took on himself the form of a servant. And uh, friend, he went all the way to Calvary's cross for you and I and died for us. Aren't you glad Jesus left the glories of heaven to come and die for our sin? Amen. And all he's asking for us is to deny ourselves, take up his cross and follow him. And too many times we do not want to get that. We we want to uh, uh, we want to cover. We want to we want to carry styrofoam crosses. We want to walk down padded paths. We want to make sure there's a 7-Eleven on everywhere we go. We want big gulps on our Christian path. Amen. And I told my wife when one, uh, I've been telling her for years, been married 39 years. I said this year is the year. She said what? I said I'm going to take you for a good, wonderful meal for our anniversary. We're going to go to 7-Eleven. Get a microwave sandwich and a big gulp. And she looks at me and I, get, and I get scared again. And I don't do it. Amen. But friend, many times people are wanting it easy. Now I've been trying through the last number of years looking for the stress-free ministry. But I have not found it. And when you find it, you let me know. I want to get involved in it. Amen. But friend, we must make a stand in this world. You said, how's the world treating you? Well, they're not treating me too good because I'm going the opposite way. I keep running into the things that the world has to offer. And listen, I'm going to remind you that Israel was looking around at all the idolatrous nations and said, we want that. We want a king like that. We want to be like that. It's like the little fellow that said he, the first time he saw an ant farm. He looked at the ant farm. He said, I want that. And mom says, well, you know, ants are dangerous if they get out of there. I want that. Mom, in her uh, way of just stopping him from whining, uh, she went ahead and bought the ant farm for him. And so he'd look at the ants crawling around and, and seeing the ants, and, and he set it by his bed, and during the night somehow he bumped in it, slipped, and it fell on him. And while he's asleep, and those ants are crawling all over him and biting him, he wakes up screaming, and, and his mama says, you want me to get you another farm? He says, no, I hate ants. What happened? You loved them a while ago. You loved them yesterday. You said, I want that. And when you got it, you don't want that. Many times God gives us what we want, and we realize we really don't want it. And God's getting ready to give them a king. He's going to give the king of their choice. He's going to say, okay, here he is. And then you're going to find out in a little bit longer, a little bit later down the road, they're going to realize, wait, I didn't really want that. Oh, yes, you did. You asked for it. You got it. I mean, y'all believe sometimes we ask for things and try to get things, and we pursue things out of the will of God, and when we get them, we realize, uh-oh, I didn't think this way. I didn't think it would do this. I, think it, I didn't think it would affect my life negatively. And here we go with the children of Israel. Doing the same things we do in the New Testament age. Sometimes we want things in the world. It's like when I wanted those peppers. Mom and, and, and Dad were, were at a house there in Louisiana, friends years ago when I was a little toddler. And Dad said, get away from those peppers. But they're pretty, they're blue, I mean, they're red and they're yellow and they're, and they're orange. I want them peppers. Dad would look around and see me again going for those peppers. I guess in my mind they were candy. I don't believe it. Sweet candy and peppers are two different things. 
I'm getting ready to find that out. I'm getting ready to get one of those lessons. The things I thought I wanted, I'm going to realize I don't want. And finally, after three or four times, Dad said, go ahead, boy, just take a handful of them. That's my dad. He's going to teach me a life lesson. And I'm thinking, yes, I won. I'm telling my dad what to do now. And he's doing what I want. I grab a hold of them peppers, and those peppers grab a hold of me. And I'm shouting the victory, amen. Mom comes running out of the house and says, Ronnie, what did you do? And my dad, Southern Drawl, he goes, I just gave him what he wanted. And when I found out, <laughs> I got it, I didn't want it. When it blistered my lips, and, it, and it, somebody asked me all that, do you like hot peppers? No, I like the flavor. I'm not crazy about hot peppers. I go all the way back there. So I mean, just because I'm Cajun doesn't mean I'm going to eat hot peppers all the time, amen. I learned that sometimes you get a hold of things and you realize you don't want them when you get them. And many times people will do that if we're not careful with the world. What does the world offer us that we're going to find better with God? The children of Israel here, they are continually wanting a relationship with the world. God's people uh, at Israel here, uh, uh, we find, remember, the relationship with God and them was as a husband married to a wife. She constantly was brought back to him and from being with many lovers. Israel committed spiritual adultery with the world and wondered why God was not giving them what they wanted. Well, it was time to give them a king like the world, but it would be a chastening unto them. They rejected God's leadership, and they wanted to be like the other nations with a king. Turn over to chapter 7. Look over there in verse, just over the page if you have it there in your Bible. Verse number, number 10, they won a great victory. They were bringing the, uh, the uh, ark of God back into Israel. And, and boy, God was doing a great work and winning for them. And, and Samuel was offering up the burnt offering there in verse 10 in chapter 7. The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Now, remember, the Philistines were probably the, the apex of a worldly nation, a nation of cruelty and wickedness, They're totally anti-God, but they were idolatrous, and they, and they wanted to destroy Israel. But that's the kind of nation Israel wanted to be like. And they said, we want a king like them. But here God was bringing a victory against the Philistines. There in verse 10 he said, and he said, But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on the day upon the Philistines and discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. How many of y'all believe God did that? God brought a victory. God, God is, uh, his, his military power is great. And listen, he is, he is wonderful in his stand uh, for his people. And so the Bible says here in verse 11, And the men of Israel went out of Mitzvah and pursued the Philistines and smoked them, and they came under Bethkar. That means the house of the Lamb. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between a Mitzvah, that's the high tower, and Shin, we find here, uh, it means a jagged rock, and he called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto that the Lord helped us. And oh, they were shouting the victory. God's our king. God helped us. And then you turn around the next chapter, they're wanting a worldly king like the Philistines that just fought with them. How many of y'all believe that the flesh is fickle? Yeah. My wife, I say, what do you want to eat? She goes, I think I want Mexican. I said, how does that work? Let me try that. I'm not getting it. And then we're down the road. I little bit. I said, you sure you want Mexican food? Wait a minute. I think I want a steak now. I said, let's go to Brahms. Let's find something over here. And you know what it is? The hamburgers. Don't order anything else but a hamburger or chicken. What it is, is we're fickle. 
We're like that. I'm like that too. We want one thing one today, and then a few minutes later, we want something else. If we live by that barometer, the thing is, 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 is unbelievable. It just turns up and down. Listen, we go according to freedom. Whatever we want. That's not the way the Word of God is. God is structured. God has His Word. God shows. Now, God gives plenty for us. Go talk to Adam. He said, uh, for them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he said, all this is yours. But what happened? He didn't want all this other wonderful food out here. They had to have that one that they said God said no to. And that's the way the flesh is. We want our way. And Israel was doing this. And so they had a pattern of rebelling against the word of God. It got so low with their own way that even the great Samuel... Watch in verse, chapter 8 and verse 1. Watch something that he did not do according to the will of God. Look at verse 1. And, and it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, first of all, my friend, God makes the judges, not man. God chooses the judges. The judges doesn't choose their boys to become judges. That's called nepotism. Well, the literal word nepotism means to favor your nephew. That's where the nepo is, nephew. But it goes into favoring family members. It wasn't a lineage of kings here. Samuel was not even allowed to do this, but in his old age, because he loved his boys, he wanted to get them involved, and they were, weren't too good of fellows, because in verse 3 it says, And the sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. So we see here that even the great Samuel was out of the will of God. God was the only one qualified to name a judge and call them to that position. So where is Israel's dependence on God at? It is like a soured, spoiled children whining until they get their own way. God is going to chasten them by giving them what they wanted. This attitude that would cost Israel for being like the other nations was summarized in chapter 8 and verses 18 and following. Look what he says, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have uh, uh, chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we uh, also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And so you see, friend, God wanted to be their complete spiritual kingly authority. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God wants you and I to yield to his kingly authority? How many of y'all believe today that God wants us to submit ourselves fully and wholly, 100%, on the altar of his will? Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that to present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, anything out of the will of God for a believer is unreasonable. Chasing the world is unreasonable. Trying to live like the world is unreasonable. Wanting what the world wants is unreasonable in the eyes of God. But we're not to be conformed to this world. That means we don't need to be conformed with it. It's like a potter is pushing his thumbprint on the clay, and God says, I want you to get in my hand and let me form you instead of letting the world form you in the way you think. It's surprising. How much of the philosophy of the world that is anti-Bible, anti-God, that we can get on our mind that is not even scriptural. We need to filter everything through the Word of God. We have so much Bible ignorance today, it's unbelievable. 
Uh, I remember as a young person when we came out of Canada, we had a van route and we were getting kids and boys and girls uh, to come to church. And, and then we get over to Slide L, Louisiana. I'm, a, I'm going into the ninth grade and, and it's time for me to really get involved in a bus ministry. And my dad said, you need to get over here and get with it. And you, you're saved, you're serving. I said, I'm, I want you. So and when, by the time I'm, I guess, my 10th grade, he gave me my own bus route and they're in the church. And, and it's your responsibility to, to motivate these kids and go knock on doors and talk to these parents and, and try to win them to Christ and, and bring them to the house of God. So I'd go out there and knock doors, and I had some other teenagers to help me, and, and we were seeing the bus route grow. And, and over time, I remember one year, that my 18th year, there was a 52 weeks that we averaged 50 riders on the bus, 50 riders, 48 point, 49 point something. They rounded up to 50. 50 riders on the bus for 52 weeks straight. I was a go-getter. I, was, I, had, I had energy out of the roof. How many of y'all remember some of those days, right? I mean, I had a, I mean, I had a callus on my knuckle. I was, I was playing ball. I was going to school. I, I was working in, uh, later on in the junior church when I surrendered to preach at 16. I mean, I, had, I was like constantly moving. And, uh, and, but when we went out there door knock between three to eight hours on a Saturday, We'd knock and get kids. I'd stop and play 10 or 15 minutes basketball with them, throw the football with them. The kids just loved our church and loved me because we just got involved in their life. And you know what happened? We began to get involved in, in, in serving God, getting involved in serving the Lord. We let the Lord work in our lives, and God grew the church, and God helped me. But, you know, I had to keep my eyes upon the Lord because the world wanted to get me out away. I had to stay busy for God because the world wanted to pull me away. And friend, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of need. And those kids, many of them, you could tell them Bible stories, uh, uh, Brother uh, Nutt, and they knew some of them. That was back in the 70s when even a, if it wasn't a mom and dad, at least a grandma and grandpa at least teaches a little bit of the Bible in the home. And over time, as, we, uh, as I moved to ch uh, church over here in, in Hazelton and became a pastor years later and became a pastor of Bible Baptist Church, I saw the development of it, uh, the regression of it, that after a few years, about half the kids knew who Jesus was. And many half of them, and many of them, mom and, they had to go see mom one weekend and dad the next week. And then it got so bad that 70 or 80% of the kids were in broken homes and didn't know anything about the Bible. And, and I know today, it's, it's just about in most areas, that the children that we pick up, bless their hearts, they are so Bible ignorant. Am, am I telling the truth? And we have to start from ground zero. Come on. Ground zero. We used to didn't have to start from ground zero with all the kids back in the 70s. They had a little bit of a Bible influence. But today, people are Bible ignorant because they're spending so much time on everything. They're living in a cartoon. We need to get out of the cartoon and live real life and get the Word of God to these kids and families for them to love God and see God. Amen. You know, the ch uh, children of Israel... They were living in a little dream world, a little fantasy world. And so here they were. They, they wanted something that uh, wasn't going to happen and, and it wasn't going to be for their good. Their obvious rejection of God, verse 19. We see their stubborn refusal of God's man. All God says to his man that preached word and taught word of God, but that was not what they wanted. We want what we wanted. So concerning the world, we saw in Romans 12, verse 2, that we're not to be conformed to this world. Galatians 1, 4 says, Who gave himself of our, uh, for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world? Galatians 6, 14 says, But God uh, forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, 
and I into the world. James 1.27 says, Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, I tell you what, the joy of that when we're living with God and serving God and walking with God, but all oh, the rebuke when we're living in the world, not living for Christ. John says a verse there, very important in 1 John. I can't help but remember back in the 70s when the church was growing in, in uh, Quispamsis, New Brunswick, and Dad was a preaching. We're talking about a North Louisiana hillbilly going up to stayed uh, northeast maritime province of New Brunswick. When they, and my dad got on the radio within the first year and had a radio ministry over four years, I guess around four years, and people were getting saved off that radio ministry. They would tune in just to hear that voice. And that man was uh, preaching the fiery gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of God, and people were getting saved. In fact, there was a number of people that didn't have a church to go to. They turned the radio every Sunday morning, and they'd hear my dad preaching. They got saved. They'd get their kids around because they would testify this. When he'd go preach in Nova Scotia and other places in New Brunswick, they'd come out of the woodwork and say, Brother Osteen, we don't have a pastor. We're listening to you every Sunday morning, and we got saved, and we don't have a church. Thank God for the gospel. Amen. And so God it was working in our church, and people were getting saved. And, and, and the man, I tell you, my dad was a preaching machine back in them days. And uh, he was preaching, and somebody came up and said, Bro, Stan, you need to preach more on love. He said, Come back next Sunday, I'm going to preach on love. And he chose a verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Neither the things that never, hey, you need to love the word of God and love God. And he began to preach, and people were getting saved, and God was working. We need some more preaching today. This patty cake, pink lemonade junk. We need somebody to stand up and rear back and preach. Your, your man of God preaches. He preaches the word. And all of us have different personalities. Get past that. Thank God for the preach word of God. Amen. Look past the preacher to the one who's preaching. His name is Jesus. Amen. Notice the clear announcement of what they want in verse 19. They want to know more of the judges God appointed, but a king like, like the idolatrous nations with another sinful man in charge. Now go to verse number 20. Hold your, voice. Keep your, hold your place in the word. I want you to see this. Look at chapter number 8. I want you to look out as he began to protest Solomon. He says, listen, you don't know what you're doing. And they want it. Go, back to, go to the verse 10. It says, and Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. Now watch this. I want you to go through the scripture. You can find here that they said they want it to be like the nations. This was a casting of a side of the unique relationship, uh, as the Lord said. They wanted to be there in verse number 20, that we, may, we also may be like all the nations. Well, you want a king? He says here they wanted a king to judge them. Now, this was saying that God was not good enough. They wanted somebody else to replace God. Let me just tell you, there is no replacement for God. God loves you, and he cares for you, and his grace is sufficient. He has a, Listen, you heard the song leader, Brother Blake, tell about how God provided. God is your provider, and God's your blessing. Turn to God. Yield to the Spirit of God. And they would not. They wanted a king. Are you there in your Bible? Say amen if you're there. All right, look, I want you to show, show you what happens when you, get your, when you get your own king, when you go after the world and, and get your own king. Look what it says in verse 11. He, he says, he will take. Look at verse 13. And he will take 
Verse 14, and he will take. Verse 15, and he will take. Verse 16, and he will take. And verse 17, he will take. That's what happens every time we go to the world. When we want the world, the world does nothing but take, 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 take from us. You see, he said, I'm going to take your girls, and they're going to become confectioners. They're going to be bakers. I'm going to take your land, and you're going to, you're going to take care of our servants. I'm going to take your boys. I'm going to take your property. I'm going to take you. That's what's going to happen. How many of y'all have ever heard of government overreach? Amen. And this way, listen, when we go after the world, the world has never given me anything but pain and took a lot from me. But let me show you the difference when I walk with God. When I serve God, he gives me grace. When I live for God, he gives me provision. When I serve God, he gives me all I need. When I serve God, he gives me the spirit filling. When I serve God and live for God as my king, he gives me every need. Listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Because why I get everything from God, he's a giver and not a taker. Amen. And that's the difference between the world and the Lord Jesus. You've got to choose who you want. Young person, you're going to have to make a choice. You said, Brother Steve, you must have been an old guy when you turned to God. No, I got saved at eight and a half years old. I surrendered to preach just before I turned 16. You said, well, you must not have had much to do. No, I had plenty to do. I, was go I, was, I had a lot of plans. Matter of fact, I was one of those guys, I was focused. And I focused on, uh, on our schoolwork and focused on growing up and listening to my dad and, and going to church and serving through the church and and uh, when I got in the 10th grade, I got the first time in organized basketball. At the end of this season, I was an all-star team. Then I started colleges, wanted me, after I graduated, wanted me to go to college, play basketball. And uh, others, I had opportunity to go here and go there. And not, they're not bad places and not bad choices. But I cannot choose out of the will of God because then it would become a worldly choice. Are you all with me? The will of God is a choice for you. Not about what you can do. It's what he can do through you. You say, well, uh, well I, uh, the Bible, uh, I, I don't know if I can understand it. My teacher told me that I can be anything I want to be. Eh. Sorry, that's not right. I hate to blow up your little world and sacrifice your sacred cow, but that doesn't work. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I wanted to be six foot ten and play in the NBA. Did that happen? be everything I want to be. But watch this. I can be everything God wants me to be. Amen. Woo! That makes a big difference, doesn't it? I can do all things through Christ. I can be anything God called me to be. I can do anything in the will of God that God says I can do. Under that context, I can be whatever I need to be and want to be. Amen. But when we chase the world, we're not going to divine anything but misery. We're going to find nothing but getting away from God instead of going toward God. And so they wanted their own king. They wanted their own judge. They wanted a king to go before them. Look what he said in verse 20. They were, they were summarizing the way they feel. We want a king to go before us. And so this was to say we want a king to represent us on our terms before the nations. And this was to have man guide them over God's own will. They refused God's authority. You see, we naturally wrestle with God with the area of control in our life, don't we? How many of y'all believe that most of the times when you and I ask God, I mean, talk to God and He asks us to do something or He tells us to do something, the negativity comes up. And that can happen. We'll maybe talk a little bit more about that tonight. But they wanted a king to go before them. But the king was going to take 
their fields. He was going to take the tenth of the seed and, and, and take their, their maidservants and, and, and women's servants, uh, men servants. And he was going to take them, uh, their sheep and their, and their oxen. He was going to take uh, all this stuff because the, the palace, they were going to need food. And the servants in the king's court, they were going to need, so they had to tax them. Here comes more taxation. All this taking place. Because we want to have a king like the world. And they're going to get what they thought they wanted and realized they didn't want it. They wanted a king so he would fight our battles. So this was a self-serving cost of their own sons to give their lives. You know what it was going to cost your son, sir, to go to battle? Now, I know that's the way it is in nations today. Isn't that right? But remember, there was a special bond that God had with Israel's army that when they listened to him, they had minimal casualties. Read your Bible. Is that right? Minimal casualties when they were listening. To God. Matter of fact, God would laser stuff out of heaven for them. God would send noises in the night to scare them. God would send diseases through. God had a, how many of y'all believe God had a way of winning the victory? Why don't we just let God be God and let him work in our life? Why do we have to match up with everything the world does? Why don't we yield to God by faith? Only say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm trusting you. And Lord, I, I'm, I'm listening to you. I want you to show me how to walk with you and serve you and obey your word. And when we begin to do that, God opens up a whole new world of righteous living and serving. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And man, we're walking in the power of God. We're saying, whoa, God is so good. And you'll find that when they were yielding to God, that's what was happening. God was working mightily in their lives. But here you find that they had been yielding to themselves. Do you remember his divine dependence on God? When you look at all the men and, and women that served God, in particular David. Now they're going to get Saul, and they got Saul, they got man's choice. But there was a second man to come up named David. He was the shepherd king. He was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he had a heart toward God, and he learned to yield to the Lord. He sang unto the Lord. He praised the Lord. And, and, and when David showed up to see his brother in the battle, his, his dad gave him some uh, McDonald hamburgers and cheeseburgers and said, go bring them to him. Amen? Not quite there, right? But he brought the food to him, and, and he gave some to the captains and the, and the leadership. And so there they are. Uh, he's coming out, and he's shouting for the battle. Woo! We're going to see Israel beat up on that Philistine out there. Beat up, beat up. I mean, beat up on the Philistine army. So he walks up and sees his brothers and the others on the side here afraid. And then you see over here on the other side is the Philistines saying stuff. And they send this guy named Goliath. And he's looking at this. What's, what's going on? Why don't somebody go down and put the whoop dog on him? That's from Alabama, amen. And say, so, why don't you somebody go down and take care of him? And, he said, and somebody said, you need to go see uh, 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 Saul. As a matter of fact, his brother was, you're just here, just a, you're just a smart like little brother. And, uh, is there not a cause? What are y'all doing? I came here to see the victory. The Lord gave me a victory. He told Saul, uh, fighting the bear in the line. He fought for me. He gave me the strength. And, I, and he said, here's, here's my armor. I can't fight in your armor. And David said, I'm, I'm going to go down and put the weapon. God's going to fight through me. And he down there with the staff, and, and he went down there with a the rod. He went down there with a the sling and, and stopped by, and he, and he picked out five smooth songs. And I'm sure he's saying, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. 
Lord, I have no power in my, my body to win this victory. He's bigger and stronger and taller and meaner. Well, Lord, I'm, if I die, that doesn't matter. I'm going to fight because somebody's got to make a stand. Watch this. That's a man after God's own heart. God said somebody finally is willing to stand against the enemy. Somebody finally willing to sacrifice himself. Somebody finally willing to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And you get over to 1 Samuel chapter 17, watch this. This is going to be a testimony to Israel because God's going to show them how to fight the battles. You don't need another king. You don't need this other power. You need to lean on me. Although the Lord allowed them to have a king in his, in his grace and divine love and, and, and encouragement for them, and because God was trying to deal with them in a certain way to help teach them to depend on him, but this is what he was showing them. Look in verse 46 of chapter 17. Real quickly, go over there. 1 Samuel 17, verse 46. So here's David going to show them how the Lord fights the battles. And this day he said, in verse 46, so David's down there getting ready to fight Goliath. This day uh, will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know what? That there is a God in Israel. You want me to just tell you, David was not speaking David's words. David was standing for God, and God gave him the words to speak. In his own power, David had no power. Are you all with me? In his own strength, he had no strength. He wasn't out there whining, Lord, make us like the Philistines. No, no, no. He says, we ought, we ought not be living like this. We ought not be doing this. And the Bible says in verse 47, And that all this assembly shall know that David was a wonderful person, that he's a mighty soldier, and that so he can get a pat on the back. Because, you know, if I'm going to go to church and do something, if somebody doesn't pat me on the back, I'm going to quit. And the preacher didn't even shake my hand last week. He saw me. I was 300 yards away. He should have said something. Come on. Patty cake, patty cake, baker, man. Is that how we want to live, church? Get our feelings right here? I dare you, brother. If you say something negative about my football team this week, I'm going to quit and I'm going to be upset. You know I love Tulsa, and they can beat OU any day of the week. <laughs> Sorry, wrong team. Amen? Yeah, I got a smile out. How many y'all believe teenagers can smile? <laughs> Woo! We're having a revival meeting right here. We got, we got young men right here. We got all the brain power in the church right here. Amen. Listen, we need to understand David didn't go in his own power. It's not about your power and my power because I don't have any. I can't do it. Man, I sit there and cry. Lord, I, don't, I can't preach. I can't do anything for you, Lord. I'm nothing. I need help. So God said, that's what I want you to say. Now, just get up in my power, get up in my strength, and I'll let you have a ministry. Amen. And the Lord still reminds me of that every day. And so what happens? The Bible says in verse 47, and all... This assembly shall know that the Lord, watch this, all the, all the glory goes to the Lord. The Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So God spoke through David with boldness against the man of the world. The greatest leader of the men of the world at that time was Goliath. He was seen as the most powerful man on earth. 
And God said, I'm going to send a little shepherd boy down there to put it on them. I'm going to give them the power to win the victory. And what happened? It emboldened the Israelites, something Saul could not do. Those soldiers rose up. Amen. And they saw the strength from that young man filled with God, and they surrendered to God, and they went down there, and they won a great victory. Now, David it was up and down in his life. We know that, don't we? Just proves that it, it takes, if the flesh is not yield, if we yield to God, not, uh, uh, and if we yield God can work through us, but we yield to the flesh. Look what happened to David's life. So David went from one side to the other, didn't he? Because he was a man. And the best of men are still men at best. And this is what God was trying to teach him. Samuel was trying to teach him. Lean on God. God's your final authority. Yes, God's going to give you somebody. God's going to give you encouragement from others. God's going to bless you uh, out of loneliness into, into relationship and fellowship with others. But remember, it's God that is your leader. God is your king. God is your authority. Amen. And so what would he see? In 1 Samuel 7, look at this chapter, verse 3, and I'm going to sum it up. Here's what he was trying to tell them. Here's what basically what God was trying to tell me. He'd been telling them before. In verse number 3 of chapter 7, he says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts. What is that? It's return. Return unto the Lord with all your hearts. This is, this is a critical choice. We have to make a decision by submitting ourselves to the will of God. You can't do it, but God says, I can. So let me ask you, church, today, and friends, and visiting friends, are you willing to break away so that God can make a way? Are you willing to say, I want God? Because there will come repentance. Not only return, there's repentance. Look what happens. If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you. See, they might, they might not have had a worldly king yet, but they had the religious makeup and, and the worship of that nation already infiltrating Israel. And I, I'm not even going to tell you how wicked the Ashtoreth religion was. A deity associated with all kinds of perversions. It's so nasty. You're going after that, going after the world. You need revival. Look what he says. And prepare your hearts unto the Lord. In other words, you have to get aside. That's why he talks about seeking the Lord. Get to a place to prepare your heart. You want revival? Getting right so we can have revival? It's like the sailboat. It's out there in the ocean. It's out there in the water. But that sail is not up. And if it just floats around, it's just going to bump against rocks and just go all over. Are you all with me? Whatever the flow of everything. That's the way lives are that are in the world, working after the world, living after the world. But now, God says for them, prepare your hearts. You know what a sailor has to do? Watch this. He has to prepare, prepare by putting up the sail. Now, there's still something else that has to take place. Watch this. He has to wait for the wind. Is that right? So when you and I are preparing our heart to get right with God as we're repenting and turning, from the, or turning to God from the world, and we're saying, Lord, help me. You know what that is? That's that preparation time. That's the time God's getting you to focus on him. That's God getting you to magnify him. That's God getting you to confess sin. And you and I are getting right. And we're saying, Lord, I need your help here. And Lord brings the thought, some things that we've got to get out of the way, some clutter in our life. Before you know it, you know what we've done? We've set our sail up, and now the wind of the Holy Spirit is getting ready to move. You know why the Holy Spirit of God's not moving in some of y'all's lives? Because you're not prepared. What's the use of the wind blowing in your life, the Spirit of God, if you're not having your sail up? And having the sail up means I'm prepared and ready to go. 
wherever you lead me. Amen. And that's what he was showing them. But look at all the responsibility. And here's where it comes in clearly to the world and to you to, as your testimony. Remember, when God sees us, he sees our faith. But when the world sees us, they see our works. So if I'm going to serve Jesus, they're not going to see my faith unless it translates into works. And when it translates into works, and that gives them a testimony of how good God is and how God can move in our lives. And so James told us that, didn't he? And so now the, here's the responsibility. He said, and serve him only. Watch that. Young people, look at that. He says, prepare your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. Do you, young people right here. Do you all know what it means to serve God only? I mean, can you understand that? You can understand that, can't you? How many of y'all know the word no? You know what that means? I talk to girls and go, I like it kind of. And the boys go, uh. Is that the way they do it? These, these kids are, are wonderful. Y'all know it. Your mom says, I don't want you to do that. Do this only. Y'all understand that? And then after the whack on the head, do you understand it? <laughs> yeah, you're going to understand it sooner or later, right? You know when it's the word only. Don't do all this. But God says, do this. Serve him only. And when I'm serving God and you're serving God, guess what? I'm serving my brother and my sister. And I'm serving the lost. Y'all with me? I'm serving my neighbors. Because when I serve God, God says, now I want you to go to the world and serve me and tell the world about me. That never happens because now... Until I'm real willing to serve God only. And when God makes a way in my life, it happens. Then notice, what's the result? Look at the result. Look here in verse 3. It's all right here. And serve the Lord only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. The world can't touch you. You're in the world, but not of the world. You're living for God, and you're learning to walk with God, and you're serving God. And so you see, he delivers us. He helps us. He uh, brings us in a place of service for his glory. And we're living a joyful life because now I don't need another king. Hey, I'm in God's kingdom. When I got saved, the kingdom of God came inside of me, didn't it? Came inside of you, right? You're, you're part of the kingdom. You're walking with Jesus. By the way, he's not just waiting to be king. He's already king, amen? He's the king. Are we walking with the king? Are we yielded to the king? Are we serving the real king? I'll be serving God. Oh, but I don't, I, when I get a little older, preacher, then I'm going to do that. Really? You ever seen a preacher preach a funeral for a child? You don't know how long your life's going to be. You better not boast about tomorrow because we don't know what a day may bring forth. We better give our hearts to Jesus today. You better get saved today before it's too late, friend. I'm warning you because of the love of God, because of the compelling spirit of God says you need to receive Christ today. Don't wait. I buried him when they were uh, stillborn in the backyard of a, of a, of a neighbor's, uh, I mean, a, a church member's house. I buried him with two, within two weeks of, of being 100. People die at all ages. You better be ready to meet God. You better make sure you're saved. Not saved by, well, my mommy goes to church, my daddy goes to church, and and, and, and my grandmother was a good Christian. That has nothing to do with it. You have to be saved yourself. I remember when I was getting convicted by the Spirit of God and whether I was going to turn to King Jesus or not. And I remember the Spirit of God says, you're lost. And I, and I said, Mom and Dad, am I saved? And Dad said, that's between you and God. 
boy, you talk about more conviction came. Because now me and God's got to get together. And I got asking God, help me, Lord. I, I don't want to die and go to hell. But I don't understand and what to do. Before you know it, after a few weeks, my, a couple weeks later, my dad's a preaching. And I'm just zeroing in on the Word of God. And he's preaching out of Psalm 142, No man cares for my soul. And at night at that church at Grace Baptist, I was eight and a half years old. The Spirit of God was dealing with me. I mean to tell you, I was sitting at the seat. And my dad will tell you. He said, when I looked at my boy, when I looked at Steve, he, his eyes were right on me. He was sitting at the edge of the seat. And I couldn't wait. I wanted to get saved. When the invitation came, I came down. And my mom said, she didn't say, did you come to get saved? Don't ever ask a kid that. Ask it this way. Why did you come? Make them tell you. And I said, Mom, I want to get saved. I'm lost. I'm going to hell. And I want God in my life. And I called on the Lord and asked God to save me for even that night. I got saved. And when I got saved, I got saved all over more than any place else. Amen. That's the first time I made Jesus king in my life. And he's been in my life. Now, when I go toward the world, the sweet Holy Spirit reminds you, Steve, don't do that. And he gives me choices. But if I make the right, right choice, I can walk with the Lord. But when I make the wrong choice, you know what I'm doing? I want the world, and I want a king like the world. I want to do my thing. And when the Lord then convicts me and corrects me and chases me, he brings me back, and I have to get right with God. Aren't you glad for the grace of God and the mercy of God? that we can have revival, we can have renewal, we can have refreshing. My friend, I'm going to tell you, it's not far from your life that you can serve God. You can focus on God and be faithful to his, servant, uh, to his service and, and to be fervent in his love and have fellowship with him. I mean, all these things are for you and God has for you. But God had to send a shepherd boy as an illustration to the whole nation on how to fight a battle by yielding to the king and winning the victory. My friend, I'm going to tell you, you have... Christ in you, the hope of glory, if you're saved today. But I'm going to tell you, the most miserable person on earth, watch this, is not the drunk in the gutter. It's not a harlot on the side street. It's not a bank robber that knows you shouldn't be doing what he's doing. The most miserable person in the world is a Christian out of fellowship with God that knows they ought to serve God. Where are you at today? It's time to yield. Let God have his way. Let me tell you, and you can tell me the same thing. Brother Steve, don't run after the world. You don't need another king. You just need to follow King Jesus. Amen. And friend, if you're not saved today, Jesus spoke of how that you're of your father, the devil. He said, you're in the wrong family. Get in my family. Be saved. Get in the kingdom of God. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, watch this, shall be saved, delivered from their sin, and forgiven. Amen. Call on Jesus today. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. We have our time of invitation. This is the time that we're inviting you <clears throat> to let the message of the Word of God speak to your heart and resonate in your soul. We're inviting you to say, make a decision. You're making an eternal decision this morning. Am I going to reject Christ and not get saved another day and do my own thing, or are you going to yield to the cross? Jesus died and was buried and rose again so you can have eternal life. He paid your sin debt, my friend, all on the cross, but you have to be willing to receive him. And be repentant of your sins. Say, God, I want to be saved. He'll save you. He's never turned anyone away. God is so loving and so caring. But what about you that are saved today? And us that are believers, are we walking with God or is the world nudging us along? Are we being conformed to the world? And Lord, help us that we'll be right with God. Lord, do a work in our heart during this time. We'll be yielding to you. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed, obeying the Lord. If you're praying, if you're not, you can look up to sing. You do what God leads you to do. Here's the altars. Obey the Lord today.